Hello, welcome to episode 14 of my Fancy Zamboni podcast. Uh, we are joined by Mr. David Grant. Hello, Dave. Hello, Joe. Uh, we are joined by Mr. Andy Stafford, who is now known as Samsung Boy. Hello, Andy. Good evening, Joe. Good evening. Nice of you to join us after some uh, some technical issues today. Um, and we are joined once again by the toothless wonder that is Mr. Gareth Dutton. Remember, hashtag who is Gareth Dutton. Hello, Gref. Good evening, Joe. Good evening. Um, so, uh, we've got another week of EIHL action gone by. The Panthers suffered two losses over the weekend, both in overtime. Um, the Giants beat the Devils in the clash of the two top teams at the moment. The Stars threw away a two-goal lead in the last two minutes of the game, so a lot of action that's gone on. Gents, what highlights have we got from this week? Um, Dundee, uh, bless them. Um, they, they had two points well and truly in the bag on Sunday. Um, the commentators, they were, you know, they were lining up the victory parade, and they just all went wrong. The money went for the lack of trying from Dundee, just all went wrong. Um, and Sheffield, obviously... Throughout the whole game, Sheffield kept going, kept going, got the first goal, and that was it. Procession, got the equaliser, and then within 30 seconds of time, bang, 3 2. Uh, feel sorry for Dundee in that respect because they played very well, as they did on last Wednesday uh, when they beat Belfast. Um, but yeah, that, that was a. Just, it, it, I think for me, the, the commentators and the way they were building up this victory, um, that would have been Pasha's first against Sheffield in league action. It all just went crumbling and didn't happen. And he's now not in 29 against Sheffield in league action. Not in 29. That is <laughs> that is a stat and a half, that, isn't it? Not in 29 against the club. Unreal. Can I just, can I just say thanks, Jonathan Fernley, for that uh, stat? I saw it on Twitter today, so uh, thanks, John. <laughs> nice shout out there. Has anybody else got any, uh, any highlights from the weekend? I'd say my highlight was probably... Storm getting their first four-point weekend in a very long time. Yeah, also getting a win against the Panthers as well. Yeah, we beat Panthers in overtime, and then we dominated against Clan. Yeah, Andy, you got any highlights? Yeah, uh, the MK uh, Lightning beat Five Flyers 4-2, uh, with some goals from Robbie Bayajian, uh and Michael Fight and Tim Wallace, just a really good effort uh, to uh, to beat the fl- uh, do the Flyers there. Who, who have, uh, he's struggling as of late after a, a really good run to get to the top three of, of the Elite League. Um, just a great result for them, and even though they've had some trouble recently, they seem to have uh, they seem to have almost snapped it, and they've re- really come to be, be the team that they want to be, and uh, a team that really has surprised us so far. Yeah, absolutely. Another uh, another good result to pull out there. Um, I mean, the one for me was the Giants Devils game, um, a game that we knew was going to be a bit of a clash of the titans. Um, and in fairness, didn't seem to disappoint. A three-two win for the Giants in a shootout uh, in the end there. So certainly a, a game to keep you on the edge of your seat. Um, obviously, over the last, you know, every episode, generally in fairness, we try and uh, we try and make predictions. We obviously always give disclaimers about our predictions and say don't go and put accumulators on them interestingly enough there were there were let's have a look there were five occasions last episode where we had a full house so all four of us agreeing on the results out of those three of those were correct and two were wrong so interestingly the two that were wrong were the two panthers results from the weekend just gone 
Um, I just thought you guys might want a bit of an update on the leaderboards from that. At the bottom of the leaderboard from the last episode is Dave. Um, got four of your predictions right. Um, in joint second would be me and Gref on five. And then Andy, you've got six right. So in fairness, maybe not as bad as we've looked on the predictions front for the last uh, for the last few weeks. It's uh, like like we've said every time. Don't listen to us if you put your money on accumulators or any bets. <clears throat> and of course, bet responsibly. Um, just don't listen to us because we're useless. We can't predict anything right. However, if you do go with our predictions and you get them right. Uh, then we want royalties. Um, <laughs> anyway, yeah. say it again. Good shout. Yeah. They are the Yeah. Yes, definitely. Um, yeah, you always a Jaeger bomb is uh, is certainly a, a good wager to make there. I think, gents, I don't think anybody's going to disagree about that. No. Um, anyway, moving on from from the betting side of things and the results side of things for now, there's been a few changes. Andy, do you want to tell us about the changes in Coventry? Yeah, Blaze have signed uh, Tom Flockfist, uh, who is uh, it's 28 year old. Uh, last season played for uh, Sorotalia. Uh, also this season for Sorotalia again, he's played 21 games. Uh, only two points in 21 games, which isn't fantastic stats. Uh, but he joins uh, on loan, it says, on the new prospects uh, to Coventry Blaze. Uh, and there's also uh, been some recent, uh, not so great news uh, for Coventry and for Trey Lewis, who has been told to retire from the game uh, because of uh, medical reasons. Uh, there hasn't been much of an update from that uh, as of yet. But uh, having 22 games uh, and only one point in those. Um, Says he, he, he just said that he might have been struggling from the start of the season with some sort of injury. Uh, but obviously, he's, he's probably got to a point now where it's just really bad on him and he's causing him a lot of trouble to a point where he's been told to retire, which is really, really sad news for the Coventry and, and for Trey. And we wish Trey all the best, especially at uh, 25 years old. He's not nice. He's a pretty young age. So we're told we've got to retire and... Uh, Usually, you know, they're in the 30s, they'll have uh, prospects back home of a new job, maybe, uh, family or things like that. But 25 years old, still really, really young. Uh, and, of course, he probably doesn't have any intentions uh, to uh, quit the sport. But uh, it, it looks like uh, that is what he's had to do uh, from his medical regions. But uh, we wish him all the best. Yeah, it's never nice to see a guy have to have to, uh, have to back out or, or retire from the games due to, due to medical reasons. Um but as, as you say, we wish him well. Um, you know, didn't necessarily put up the best points for Coventry this season. I think you've hit hit the nail on the head there. Um, you know, possibly as a reason. You know, possibly as a side effect of the medical reasons that he's had to retire from. Um, it looked initially like you know, like they'd one in one out. But in fairness, I mean, obviously Trey Lewis is a defender. Um, you know, two points from a defender maybe not too rare, but. You know, in the number of games he's played, I think he's got a minus two overall as well, so maybe not the best defensive stats either. Um, and then in the bringing Flogquist, who's obviously a centre or right winger, as according to Elite Prospects. So, um, lost the D-man, brought in a forward. So, I'd expect to be seeing Coventry signing another guy there. Um, guys, I mean, Flogquist seems a bit of an interesting one to me. I mean, I, I, we've always said the Al Svenskin is probably similar in terms of you know, in, in terms of, of the 
the level of hockey that's played. Um, he's played 183 games in the Allsvenskan with a 0.3 points per game. So not the best stats in that league. No, no, it isn't. Um, but the Allsvenskan, like you said, it's, it's a, a decent standard of hockey. Um, and in fairness, you know, he's, his game won't have produced what he'll have wanted back home in Sweden. So... You know, the Coventry have taken a punt on him. He's taken a punt to go to come to the Elite League, try and get his career back on track, and go from there. You know, Coventry needs something just to turn it around a little bit. They've uh, they kind of peaked in trough this season. They've started poorly, went, you know, got into a run, went back, another run of good results. Um, so they need something just to get some consistency, get you know, get a bit of a streak like Dundee had. Um, just get on five, six, seven win streak. This. Signing may just turn it may be that spot that turns it up. Who knows? Yeah, I, it could be. I mean, I think it from my perspective, I think it's more they've signed Fogquist as a, a signing due to losing a player last week that was a forward. It stats wise, though, it doesn't look like you can compare to the player that they lost. However, getting him on loan, that's a good signing for them because that means. Yeah, they, they can just send him back to his club whenever they want. Oh, hopefully. I mean, unfortunately for Trey, he's had to retire due to, I say, medical reasons, which is unfortunate, but I'm sure they'll get a, a decent defenseman back. But who knows at the time being? It's been a strange season for the uh, for the cuts and changes to teams, and uh, obviously getting that as well in there. I mean, I don't think if memory serves me right. I mean, I can't remember any names of any other players, but you know, he may not be the first person this season to, to have to retire for medical reasons. I can't remember if there was anybody else. Memory memory seems to be ringing up that there may have been somebody else this season. But if not, I mean, it's never nice to see. Um, you know, obviously, if not for medical reasons, we have had a couple of people leave the league for um, for personal reasons this year. Um, so it's just another twist and turn to add to this year's um, strange series of events, I think. But um, obviously, as we've already said, we wish him well. Hopefully, Coventry can bring in a good defenceman to replace because, in fairness, they've been doing a lot better than we expected this year. Um I mean, moving from that to look at the standings at the moment this year, maybe not the way that we'd be expecting them to look um, when the season started. Um, certainly on the up for the Steelers, who were obviously at a dead bottom in the league at one point at the start of the season. Uh, so the signing of Tom Barrasso does seem to be, um, you know, does seem to have made an impact there. So credit where credit is due to Tom Barrasso. Um, but looking at the league tables, Belfast Giants sit at the top at the moment. Uh, they're on 40 points, but they have played two less games than Nottingham, two more games than Cardiff. Nottingham sit in second with 37 points, uh, and then Cardiff sit in third on 36 points. If you actually look at win percentages at the moment, uh, Belfast would sit on top with a 76.9% win percentage. Then it would be Cardiff with 75%, and then Nottingham. So certainly possibly the top three that you may have expected at the start of the year. Um, maybe not in the order that would be expected. I don't, I don't know what you think, guys. Um, to be fair, I, I'd say yeah. Uh, maybe the order and fair play to Belfast, especially on, they've just finished a, you know, I think seventeen away game run. 
uh, without a single home game in the league. I know they had the, the Conti Cup in Belfast, but 17 games on the road. Uh, and they got some like 26 points that was available out of 34. I mean, that's a fantastic return on a stretch of away games um, like they have. So, you know, but they did that last year, if I ever said right. They, they had the away stretch because of the arena lack of availability. Did well, expected to do all the business at home because of the home stretch and didn't do anything. So, lessons learned for them um, to see if they can not have history repeat itself. But I, I'd probably, if I'm honest, you know, yeah, the the order as it is now for me probably is what I, what you what you'd have thought. I'd have thought so myself with the top three. I'd say, yeah, that but Cardiff Cardiff will be in there at least first or second. That's what I would have thought. Belfast with that streak as well, like away from home, that's that's incredible. Minus the the little blip that they against Dundee, that's been. Uh, an amazing run, especially away from home as well. Yeah, it's great. It's, it's great results so far from Belfast, and uh, for me, I'd have had Nottingham and and, uh, and, and, and Cardiff as my, as my top two, uh, but obviously that's that's not the case. And uh, Fife have been doing really well as as well this season. Uh, but yeah, Belfast to me have just absolutely exceeded the expectations from what from what I thought they would do at the start of the season. Uh, Alan Keith's doing a great job over there, especially with having the concept of club. Uh, sometimes teams struggle to come back from playing such great teams in the Continental Cups, back to Elite League and domestic things. But uh, no, they've, they've continued right where they left off and they're, they're doing a great job. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I have to say, Nottingham were one of my top teams going into the season. They were my team to watch. I thought they'd signed quite an exciting team the, the the number of KHL games that they've got amongst them in their team and uh, you know the number of NHL and AHL games as well it, it looked to be an exciting team obviously still in the top 3 so still you know not certainly not out of the title race um I'd have probably put Belfast in third um and Cardiff in second so you know as I say yeah I I would I've expected the top 3 just maybe not in that order um, looking at the bottom three at the moment, Milton Keynes Lightning sit at the bottom. Um, they've got 18 points from 25 games with 36% win percentage. And there's a bit of a jump up then to Manchester Storm, who are 25 games with 23 points. That's a 46% win percentage. Uh, and then the last spot to miss out on the playoffs at the moment is Coventry Blaze. That's 24 games, 23 points, and a 47.9% win percentage. Um, guys, I mean, at the start of the, uh, you know, at the start of us recording my fancy Zamboni, maybe in episode one or two, the question was asked, um, you know, who do we expect to be the three that miss out on, on the playoffs? What are we thinking now, looking at those bottom three? Do we expect it to stay the same? Are we thinking any other teams will drop down? I think that last spot. Um is going to sort of fluctuate between Coventry, Dundee and Glasgow. Um, yeah, I'll be honest with you, I think the, the bottom two will will stay the same. Um, sorry, Graf. When um, we predicted it, I just, I just didn't think Manchester would do anything this year. Um, so that's, as it stands out, it's, you know, turning out to be correct. But I think that last spot will fluctuate. I think it'll be up and down. I think that'll be an exciting battle to who gets that last spot. Um, and I, I, I just... I think, to be honest with you, like I said, Glasgow, 
it really could be any one of them three. Um, you know, what we've seen so far, Dundee go on a run. Glasgow can now go then go on a run. Maybe Coventry go on a run. And they'll go back and forth and take points off each other. And, you know, if, you know, no one's excited at the top of the table race, I think that race for the last part of the playoffs will be just as exciting. Yeah, it's certainly yeah, something that I, everybody wants to be involved in. Sorry, Greff, go on, I interrupted you. I, for me, I think it's if if Stock can play like they have done the week I've just gone, then they will be fighting for eighth spot. But if we play like we did on the Tuesday in the Challenge Cup, then yeah, I, we probably will be finishing in the bottom two. Hopefully, if the, the 6 1 loss in the Challenge Cup against Nottingham, the way we played, has given them like a, a kick at the backside, it's giving them a boost. But I can still see possibly it's going to be it's going to be a, a very good race to get in, get in the last spot in the playoffs between us, Coventry, and Glasgow. Yeah, I've, I've, I think it's been a lot closer uh, than I probably thought it would be. Uh, I think it's like four, three or four teams that could that are still battling for that last player position and. Uh, yeah, it's 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 been a great run between all well four all four teams in in, in that bottom sort of uh, sort of margin in the league, and it's it's been great to see who who does get that final spot. Um, it, it's it's definitely definitely a lot closer than I thought it would be at the start of the season. You know, I thought would be probably one team that probably finished last by by a massive margin, but I think it's going to be within a couple of points. It's going to be a race right at the end of the season. So you finally get that spot. And it's something that everyone wanted. They wanted a close league. They wanted not just, you know, the top bit being close and no team just running away at all. You want to see it completely close. I mean, in fairness, we spoke at one point in the way they were playing that Sheffield could miss out on the playoffs just the way they were playing. And, you know, so the whole thing, if you're not on your game each night, you're going to lose, you're going to drop points. And, you know, I think what Andy said in Scott's response is you've got that closeness and it makes that for, it makes for better hockey, you know, more exciting hockey. Regardless of what end of the battle, you know, either battling for the title or that last playoff spot, um, people wanted it, and I think we're finally starting to see it. Yeah, I mean, it may be a bit of a taboo question, and I'll see what you guys think, but do we think some of the proximity in terms of results and standings at the moment is aided by the fact that the Capitals aren't in the league this year? I mean, it may be a bit of a taboo question, it, you know, it may seem a bit harsh, but in fairness, over you know, the past five, six, seven years in the Elite League, you know, the Capitals were the one dead bottom of the league. They were the team that everybody expected to get the win out of. And in, I mean, in fairness, at, at this point last year, I think they had one or two wins and that was it. Um, so, do you know, it, it, the Capitals aren't in it. We'd all love to still see the Capitals in the league. We'd all love to see, a, you know, a league with the 12 teams in. So, uh, you know, I'm not by any means saying it's a good thing that the Capitals aren't in there. But do we think that the proximity in terms of standings at the moment has been aided by the fact that they're not in the mix? I'll borrow a phrase from a friend of mine, um, fan of, of another elite league team. There's a reason why you picked the Capitals for your teddy bear toss game, um, because you were guaranteed goals, you were guaranteed something. Um, and it's a shame, you know, the Capitals were a good franchise in the elite league. Um, great place to visit, um, a rink with a lot of history, um, but they were, they, they, you know, without yeah, being disrespectful, they were that. The the the, uh, the smallest team dragging everyone back. Um, now you've got the eleven, 
we you had in Lontobi, now got 11. And all the teams are bringing it back up, moving the standard, moving the product further up, better product for the fans. Um, and it's, it, you know, it's what people want with, with the hockey. You don't want to, you know, if you look at the fixture list, you want to go, right, not just go from, from a Sheffield perspective, you could say, say Manchester, just swap a few teams. You go for the list, oh, I for that game against Coventry or Sheffield, Nottingham or Belfast or Cardiff. But then sometimes you may go and no disrespect, oh, such and such team. You know, Edinburgh. Oh, do you know what? I'll get that and miss. You want to be able to look at the fixtures and go, do you know what? I'm not missing a single game because whoever you're playing against, it's going to be good hockey. And I think the 11 teams now, I think you, it's a slow margin this year. Just the, the, the standards moved up. And I think, you know, if the top team does come up, they're going to have to jump on that bandwagon straight away and keep that standard going up. And I think it's only good for the, for the punters. I think personally, it's it's unfortunate that they had to did it. They left the league, but this season it's just shown that anyone on any given day can beat anyone. You've had Milton Keynes beat Cardiff and beating Fife and Glasgow as well. But then you had like obviously Cardiff beating Milton Keynes at the start of the season, eleven-one. So you you don't know what you're gonna expect during the weekend. Yeah, as a top-flight business, I, I don't think the capitals really work very well. Um, and as, as harsh as it is to say, uh, it is true. I, I think if they were if they were still in the season in, in the league, I think they would be bottom by quite a, quite a long way. Um, they just weren't a, a good fit for this standard of hockey. Uh, not just uh, through playing side or anything like that. It's, it's just just where the club was run. It it, it wasn't a top-flight hockey team, and if if a team was to come up and fill that 12th place next season, they'd have to make sure that, that they are sustainable uh, to move into into top-flight hockey, because if not, then it should be the same thing over again. You're going to lose fans, you know, you're, you're going to lose money, you're going to be really struggling to, to keep yourself in that league and to get good results. So if a team does come up, they need to make sure that everything's in place and that it is going to work for them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in fairness, we saw MK and Guildford move up last last year or the year before. They all seem to merge into one with me at the moment. Um, but you know, we saw we saw Guildford and MK move up. In fairness, I think they've you know they've adapted to the level of hockey quite well. They've adapted quite quickly. Obviously, at the moment, you know, Guildford are standing well in the league. Um, you know, I know as a, as a Steelers fan who's obviously got them coming up in the uh, in the Challenge Cup. Um, it, you know, it, it, I've got no idea which way that's going to go. And so, for a team that's just that's come up from the EPL as was, um, you know, to be coming up to this you know, to the league, I think that you know that's a it's a good result. And in fairness, MK have done the same as Gref, as you say. I know that they're sat at the bottom of the league at the moment, but in fairness, you know, they they've shown they can beat anybody. Um, you know they beat Fife at the weekend. You know they've beaten Steelers um, at the start of the season. They've beaten Cardiff. So anybody can beat anyone, and I, and I think that is such an imperative thing that whoever comes up as that 12 team, whether it's next year, whatever it may be, it's so imperative that they adapt to the level of hockey quickly. And I think a lot of that is down to the budget that they have. I think that was the problem with Edinburgh. Um, in fairness, a few seasons back, you actually saw Edinburgh. You know 
contesting, getting some good results, getting a good team moving forwards, then all of a sudden, you know, you saw players like Ryan Hayes leave to go to Steelers, you saw David Rutherford leave to go to Belfast because they just couldn't afford to keep the wages going. And that was the problem. And then eventually it went from that to just not having a team that could compete. Um, so you know, if we can get a team that comes up as that twelve team that can compete with the with the budget and can adapt to the style of hockey and the level of hockey quickly, um, a twelve. Do you know this this league is going to be very strong when we move into a twelve team league? No, I agree. And I think everyone from a fan logistics wants twelve is a better number than eleven. And you know, if I ever come back next year with the lessons learned and a better structure. That will allow whoever the coach is to you know have a team that's supported to last the season to get you know the fans back through the doors at Murrayfield. Um, you know, I'd I'd for love them to, to come back. I've been telling them for ages it'd be a great excuse to go up there um, to, to catch a game and see a, a fantastic city. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Um, moving away from the domestic league for the time being, it's something that we said we wanted to keep as a an ongoing thread. Um, maybe we thought that there might have been some domestic involvement still in it, but obviously Cardiff in the CHL uh, lost out this year. Um, Dave, have you have you got an update for us on the CHL and how, where it is at the moment? I have indeed. Uh, last week we had the quarterfinals first leg. Um, very open um, competition this year. Um, there's only one result of the fall that's you can kind of go money on. They'll make the semis. So we'll go through them quickly. Uh, Red Bull Munich was against Malmo. Uh, Munich are taking a one-goal lead, uh, winning 2-1 at home. Karapat uh, Olu faced off against Red Bull Salzburg. And Salzburg, in the last minute, with a beautiful goal from uh, Johnny Hughes, a 1 through 2. If you haven't seen that, go on their website, check it for that goal. Love this bit of armor, top shelf, and the celebration taboo. Um, the only blowout scoreline was from Falunda, um, away at Camita Bruno, uh, winning 4 1. Uh, they go back to the Flunderborg with a really good chance of the semi finals. The closest tie, Skaleftia and uh, Pilsen, 3 all after the first leg in Sweden. Back to Pilsen, that you know, hot, you know, great atmosphere with the, the local Czech fans. Um, they've been the, the informed team of the CHL, so you know, we may see a um, another Czech team slowly eke its way to the final. Who knows? Um, but we've got four good games. Uh, you check the highlights, and you know, the games were great and some you know, good goals as per in the, in the CHL. And I think the second leg, which is Today, as we're now recording on Tuesday morning in the early hours, um, I think they're going to be some great games. And uh, some, if you've got the uh, spare couple hours, I'd recommend uh, watching a couple of these games on the on the online. Yeah, for me, every time you see the results from the CHL, it really does show, um, you know, the level of the competition and the reason that you want to be involved in it. Uh, again, I know it's a bit of an ongoing thread um, with that questions asked across our domestic league at the moment. Some fans don't think that involvement. Um, is something that we should be looking at. Obviously, as uh, as discussed in the interview um, with the interview from the Bridge guys last week, and obviously they mentioned that the Belfast, obviously when they last had the opportunity to go to the CHL, didn't take it up, and that ended up being taken up by Nottingham. So there is obviously that constant debate, but I think at the moment, particularly now that obviously I know that you say Frölunda got a good result out of it, but particularly now that Frölunda aren't just running away with the competition as a whole. It's, it's showing its worth even more than it has done in the past this year because it, it really is showing some of those results really are showing that anybody can win it 
the first couple of years of, of the, the rebrand of the CHL, it was all about the Swedes and the Finns. They were getting the results. They were taking the semi-final spots. That, you know, it was them. You now twofold. You see now you've now got the German and the Austrian team representation. Uh, the Czech and the Swiss. Although Swiss had had the best of years this year, um, they had good representation at this stage. Um, so it's spread now across all your main leagues in Europe. But from a domestic standpoint, you know you've seen. You know, Sheffield's had two goes at the CHL. Carlos had two. Uh, the Panthers had two, uh, and Breds, um, as as it were, have had a, a year in the CHL. And I've not heard an argument from anybody who says that you should not bother with this competition as to why, to justify why you should not be involved in this competition. Everything's raised, not just your game on ice, but your off ice game is raised. You become a better club. You be, you have better contacts. You learn more. I struggle to find a single negative of being associated and involved with this tournament. I want to see my team as a Sheffield fan in there every year. It's not going to happen, but I'd love to see that every year in that tournament. Cardiff fans now, at the beginning, when they've won the league, and you spoke to some of them, and they're like, you know what, it's CHL, yeah, it's good off keeper, don't care, because we're not going to anything. Now they've had two goes at it, they're now starting to, we want this every year, we want this every year. The Nottingham fans are the same. And the clubs will be also saying, you know, we want a piece of this every year. We want to be that team. So, you know, Nottingham are the first, the only team that's gone out of the group stage from, from Britain. Hopefully next year, whoever that team will be that represents us, whether it's one or two teams, um, if Belfast win the, the Conti Cup, could be the second one that goes through and just carries on the British rep- reputation in this tournament and European hockey at the moment. It's a reputation that's on the rise. And for me, it's through the involvement by them clubs I've mentioned in the CHL and the teams in the Conti Cup continually bringing good results. I totally agree with you on that one, Grunter. Watching CHL over and over again, and mainly for Zurich Lions, but it's every game that I've watched so far, it's just, especially this season, they've all been on real games. I think you had like the one or two blowouts where a team won like six one, but every other game I've been really close, like one, one or two goals, and that second goal coming in like the last thirty seconds. Yeah, they have been. I mean, even some of the like the Belarusian teams, um, Yunost and uh, Grodno, uh, and even Tichy uh, from Poland getting these great results. I mean, you even saw Yvaskula, the champions, knocked out in the group stage. You know, that's how just. Now, how open the tournament is, um, and if the Poles and the Belarusians can get the results, and now as we saw with the Panthers and, and Devils, who were, you know didn't win a game, but had some great results. If we, if we're honest, right? If we're going to do it, then I, you know, let's let's have it next year. Um, you know, whoever that team is, hopefully Sheffield, by some form of capacity, but I'm not sure if it will be. But who knows? Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, I've been very lucky enough to to watch CHM, not just at home, but also go away to places like Austria, Sweden, and, and just being fantastic experiences, just to take in the cities as well, and also like, the level of hockey is incredible. And just like you both said, the, the surprises and results can go either way. I mean, some really sharp ones, uh, like I said, with the vascular going out, um, it's just a great thing to be part of for every club in the in in the in the world. But that 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 does get to get to be a part of it. It's incredible, and 
just raises that profile, uh, you know, just around the world where hockey might not be as probably as, as you know as, as well known as it probably is in Britain. But it's just that showcase that he gets around the world. It, you know, it, it's up in hockey as a sport, and it's it's doing wonders around Europe. You 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 caught a game in Geneva as well, aren't you? And you you see the CHL oh, yeah. game there. And, uh, but for you say about the worldwide view of the CHL, um, when when I was in in America, and you, you ask about your team and you mentioned the CHL, the Champions League. Everyone's like, oh yeah, that competition. And it's, it's on the conscious now of of hockey fans in general. So not just you know, the NHL and you know the KHL, the top league, the CHL is now on the conscious. Oh, they've come to, I've, I've heard of that. I've watched a couple of games. I've seen highlights. So it's now you know that's the level of the profile that the CHL has now. So again, I go back to the beginning of my little uh, little rant. Why would you not want to be a part of that? Why would you not want a piece of that action? Why would you not want the chance to to raise the profile of? your own league as well I mean it, it comes back to the same people that still root for the team playing against like like non-Cardiff fans rooting for the team playing against Cardiff or you know non-Nottingham fans that were disappointed when Nottingham made the next round yeah I mean you've just got to put petty rivalries to a side for a moment look at what it's doing for the British game I mean make no mistake you look at some of the people that we signed this year I mean people like Mike Hedden Patrick Dwyer um, Aaron Johnson people that boast ridiculous NHL CVs Tom Barrasso a double Stanley Cup winning netminder is now a coach in this league you know and make no mistakes the reasons that these big signings are coming is in my opinion partially because of GB's success and GB's involvement obviously in the world championships for the top tier um, in Kasichi and obviously in addition to that for me it's it's the British teams going that extra mile going that next step and, and really representing the league well in the CHL No I, I fully agree with you Joe it's you have these signings you know and you could add Lingley uh, and, and for the time he was here Benny Blood um, you don't get that type of player that skill set by not having your club or league in that shop window you know, you can you, you know you can win the Yorkshire Cup, you can win the Aladdin Cup, you can win whatever pre-season tournament is in, and we can be proud of that one. Yay, nah, nah. The sports world's done, and and I, I, you know, you want you want to be with the big boys, you want to be with the big clubs, and the CHL, and now the Conti Cup, if we're, if we're honest, that's where it is. You earn the right for your league, and you'd be with them teams, and you'd be associated, you'd be spoken in the same breaths as Frölunda, um, your Vascular. Um, you know these big teams. Again, I, 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 I don't understand anybody who says I don't want that. I don't want my club, whether it's Sheffield, Nottingham, Cardiff, or whoever becomes the next team that represents the UK in the CHL. Why you wouldn't want that? I, I, I just don't understand the logic. Now the mind boggles. It really does. Um... But uh, anyway, moving on from the CHL, from that aspect, because I know that we could talk about that until we're blue in the face. Um, <laughs> it's, you know, we, we could possibly duplicate things that we've said in the past. So in the interest of avoiding swerving back into an hour-long debate about the CHL, um, I just want to move on. Staying away from domestic um, league for the time being, but with domestic implications, possibly, um, there was an incident in a game between... Uh, Adler Mannheim and the Swedish club Brinas um, 
back in November 2017, um, there was a big hit coming in from British-born Thomas Larkin, uh, who was playing for Adler, um, on Daniel Pyle, I believe is how he pronounced his name. Um, a big blindside hit. If you watch the video, and I urge you to watch the video, um, I guarantee you Ryan Finity wouldn't be saying that the hit from David Phillips a couple of weeks ago is the worst <laughs> hit he's ever seen if he'd seen this video because, honest to God, um, it is a horrendous blindside hit and from what it looks like on the video, it doesn't even look like Pyle is on the puck or anywhere near the puck. Um, it has been prosecuted in a Swedish court. It has been charged with assault. Um, I just thought, in fairness, it could have potential implications. It is something that I think the league is aware of, not necessarily as an incident, but as a general issue as a whole. Obviously, there's a lot more interest going into avoiding concussions, cutting out fighting. I think one of the reasons is this, the potential for, for legal implications. And so, um, you know, obviously this is, this is a precedent that's set internationally, but it still could have those implications on our league as well. I think it's something that we've mentioned probably more privately than on this podcast, but very much myself, I believe that the movement of the game away from the physical elements, although you never get rid of it, but moving away from it is very much the legal implications and and, and all that. Now, found, um, a couple of years before the last one in the Olympics, 2016, when the GB team was in Italy for the uh, Olympic qualifiers, um, I remember an interview with Steph Bennett and Rene Fazal, who was the head of the IHF, and he mentioned that they'd seen, as an organisation, the IHF, they'd seen what happened with the, the NFL and a lot of um, the concussion cases that was going through the courts um, in the US, and they started seeing it through the NHL, you know, the, the one or two at the time. Now you see a lot, they said a bigger profile, Nick Boynton and uh, Daniel Carcillo really raising the, you know, the profile of looking at what the league should do. And he said at the time, you know, we as an organization changed the rules to be very proactive in terms of protecting the players, which we've mentioned a number of times that, you know, the, the game's biggest asset, the players to protect. Um, now this hit, as you mentioned, watch it just for the context. It's brutal. It's not even hockey. It, it's just, it's brutal. Um, and I think once one of the big leagues has that legal hearing and decision of, yes, we're going to punish the person on this. I think that will go through. You'll, you'll see it, you know, even in the KHL, the Liga, the DL, and then it'll go through and eventually you'll hit for the rest of the European leagues. Whether it eventually goes to North America in terms of the concept, I'm not sure because I appreciate the NHL does things in terms of the ruling a lot different to the WHF. Um, but I think it's something that is, is very interesting in terms of keep an eye on. Um, I know flipping the coin over this, the, the talk of the physical element of the game, the great um, documentary Ice Guardians um, spoke a lot of that. And if you haven't watched that, do watch that. Um, and then spoke about the actual the benefit of the, the physical part of the game. But I think once the courts start getting involved, I think that's going to change the, the outset of it all just completely. What I think with the pit itself, uh, Joe was completely right. The putt was on the other side of the ring, so the hit it it was very reckless. I think he just like spied his dummy out or something. I mean, we saw him in Budapest playing for Italy, and he looked like a really good player. 
I mean, I, I think he even scored past us at one point as well. And he he did look like a half-decent player. Unfortunately, this has had to happen due to, I'd say, like, five-second blip in his mind where he's just had a... He's had, like, a, a five-year-old's temper tantrum. And it's unfortunately cost. Yeah, it, it was a terrible hit. Um, I'm not sure what his intentions were, but it, it did look... As I so it was pretty targeted, um, and I'm, I'm not surprised it has gone further, uh, and he's been prosecuted for it. Um, as, as, as both mentioned, he's had big involvement for Italy in the World Championships, and he's, he's done a great, a great job for them there. But um, yeah, it, it's, it's not surprised he's, he's, he's been charged for it because it, it, it was disgraceful, and um, you know, I've, I've not seen anything like it myself. But I know there has been uh, a player uh, in, in England, uh, I'm not sure what his name is, but uh, a player for Blackburn, uh, who also was prosecuted for a, for a hit a few years ago. So, yeah, it, it is just a case of, you know, what you're thinking, you know, you're, you're just, just being stupid and and not considering your actions and hopefully, you know, um, he'll, he'll learn from this and whatever happens to him, you know, hopefully all the best to him. But... Yeah, it was a very horrible hit, and uh, definitely should. There's no, there's no room for that in hockey. No, there's not. I mean, in, in fairness, there's only a couple of big, um, you know, key talking point cases where it's happened, where a player's been prosecuted. I appreciate it may happen in in more minor leagues. The main two that have happened in terms of the ones that are be high profile. Obviously, you had um, Todd Bertuzzi was charged with assault for a sucker punch um, on Steve Moore. Uh, which I think, believe, broke his neck, um, and then Marty McSorley in the 2000 season um, was charged with hitting Donald Brashear across the back of the head with his stick. I know that in I know, it might have been in Ice Guardians, in fairness, or it might have been just a, an interview that I'd seen. I can't remember, but I know that McSorley after that said he regretted it, and now that he said that he he just wanted to get him to fight, um, and I, th- I think that's the thing. It, it steps over that line of. of Stupidity, to be honest, it's not even. Some people would say recklessness. But I, I think it steps over that line. It steps over the line of just being plain stupid. Um, I mean, the way that sports like, um, like ice hockey, like rugby, American football, and um, obviously you cover a, a broad framework of, of laws because obviously we're not, you know, English law may be different to over in the US, but the way that generally that we get away with it and those sports happening is because the players are consenting to it by taking part in that sport. It's understood if you play hockey, you're going to be hit. So that isn't assault. Um, the Latin for it, if you're interested, is Valente non fit injuria, but that's because I did a law degree. Um, but no, I mean, the, the majority of it is it comes down to consent. It comes down to the fact that those players are stepping on the ice for a contact sport and so they're, they're consenting to what's going to happen. Now, the reason that things like the Todd Bertuzzi incident, the Marty McSorley incident, the, the Thomas Larkin incident are taking court action now is because what happened is not something that's going to happen you know, generally in the sport. If you get a 2 plus 10 for checking from behind, going through the numbers of a guy, even if it gives him concussion, you're more than likely not going to end up in, in front of a court and, and being charged because it happens regularly it happens hundreds of times a season maybe not with the same effects with each hit but it happens hundreds of times across the season across the world hits like that don't 
and that's the problem. In fairness, I don't think the implications will be too high in our league um, or even across the world. I think that the, the key implication of it is if you step over that line as to what's generally expected in sport as it is, or, sorry, or in the sport, in ice hockey as a whole, then that's what you can expect. Um, well, first, first of all, I need to remember that Latin phrase so I can use that in general conversation because it sounds like something you makes it sound like you know what you're on about. And then, but on a serious point, I think what you're saying is right in terms of it may not you know, have a direct impact on us. And I, I think it will. But I think the pace of that will be when it starts costing leagues money. When the, the, um, the players start suing the organisations, the leagues, all the tournaments in terms of this may be probably more to the CHL. Once it starts costing money, that's when I think the pace of change and the decision-making changes rapidly in terms of you know, we're going to down, go down this route completely different in a quicker time than we'd expect it to. So I think that's when the uh, the change will happen is when it starts costing an additional pound, shilling and pence to organisations across Europe and around the world. So yeah, I don't think it'll get to that stage though at this point. I mean, I, I know that I mean leagues already are taking the steps to try and avoid it. Obviously, as we say, they're already trying to, to cut down fighting and cut down concussions. Make no mistake, in terms of people like Gary Bettman, want the majority of fans to be, you know, as many fans to be watching as possible. He knows that those are going to be caused by people having fights and people making big hits. But the reason that they're trying to stop it. Yes, it's because they need to protect the players, but the reason, the main, the key reason, in my opinion, that they're trying to stop these, you know, these incidents and protect those players, is to protect themselves, as you say, from those financial implications. But for me, I can't see it happening anytime soon where the leagues or the tournaments. Where, you, you may have it where players, are, you know, try and sue, but I can't see things like that going through and being successful for that reason. Because at the end of the day the courts will turn around and say, well, yeah, it's okay saying you've suffered six concussions over the last three years from playing ice hockey in the Elite League, but you're playing ice hockey in the Elite League. You're, you're going into that knowing the possibility of you getting those big hits. And I think that's what will cause that protection. But at the same time, I think... I, I, we may even see a knee-jerk reaction in the sport anyway from this case, just on the fact that people, you know, leagues whether that's the Elite League, whether that's the NHL, may look at it and say, you know, we need to do something quick to stop this from coming back on us. But I, I just, I, I can't see it happening in the near future, personally. But anyway, obviously that's uh, that's all a, a bit pie in the sky at the moment. It's all a bit of a, um, you know, trying to predict what's going to happen when, you know, anything could happen. So moving on from that, obviously trying to move back to domestic um, hockey, more international at the moment, looking at the, the accomplishments of GB, as we like to do on this podcast. Um, obviously, the BBC Sports Personality Awards are coming up. I know that it's sparking up in terms of debate and in terms of people trying to retweet and like things to get GB Hockey mentioned in the awards. Um, what do you guys think? Obviously, there's a couple of areas that GB making the top tier in the World Championships may get there, maybe the team of the year award, it may be the best sporting moment award. What are we thinking? The GB moment should definitely be up there. I mean, but the first the first international teams to win back to back promotions. The team that's like bottom that was tipped to get relegated as well. It's literally like the last city moment all over again. 
and that's got so many mentions and that even got so many like nominations, awards for it. Why can't that happen for GB? For the ice hockey? We've we're, we're now proven to play against the top the best of the best. And that's what every every sport strives to do. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'd be annoyed if, if I didn't get a mention at least on on, on the programme. And what I've done is fantastic. Uh, not my team has get, get to do it. And I think it, it, it's all a hype of football, you know. England doing what they've done, yeah, it's great, but they've not really done much. They've got further than probably they have done in the last tournament that they played. But in terms of football, no, nah, they've, they've not really done done much in my eyes to get a mention that programme. Um, even Liam Kirk as well. I mean, the first English player to be drafted in the NHL, and he's he's put he's put some good points for Peterborough as well this season. So I, again, I, I'd be annoyed if if he, if he didn't get mentioned either. Um, so hopefully, uh, whether this year or next, I'm hoping that there will be some GB hockey mention because well, what they've achieved as a whole and what Liam's achieved is something that. Not many many people at all uh, in the world of minds, you know, elsewhere, just just one particular country or wherever. It's something that, that not many people get to achieve, and you know, it's definitely worth mentioning if if nothing else. I, I can't disagree with the sentiment of what both of you said. Um, yeah, we've mentioned many many times, and the main reason why is because it's such a wonderful moment, and you know. In all these I watch sport, I've, I've never experienced, and even if I watched it on TV, I've never experienced a moment like that that just was completely against everything and it just went bang, happened, and all of a sudden you're there in the promised land. However, the the thing in terms of the team aspect that goes against them this year is it's not just the World Cup. I mean, in fairness, Andy, you know, it's the first time since 1990 since the, the football team made the semi final of the World Cup. Um, and I think there's also a few other things, you know, the connectivity between the team and the fans that they haven't had for years. A lot of people, I mean, I follow football um, to a degree, but friends of mine who follow it a lot more, all they say was, you know, what, there's, a connect, there's a connection between the team and the fans that they've not had for a long time. But you've also got the Ryder Cup uh, this year where the, the European teams uh, absolutely stuffed the Americans, um, you know, in Paris, Allez Le Bleu. Um, and then also, you know, there's the, the netball, the women's netball team that for the first time got a Commonwealth gold medal against the Aussies. I think it's the first time the Aussies have never won the Commonwealth gold um, in netball. So as, as the moment is great. You'll not hear me say anything less, but the worst year probably to do it with what's already happened. Had it been last year, um, it may have been up there with... Last year's winners was the England women's cricket team that won the World Cup. It'd been up there. Um, I just think this there's a, f- a few too many for it to be in a mentionable breath. But it, I, as a hockey fan, yeah, it's one of the great moments of GB sport this year. But in terms of being up there with an award, it's, it will fall short. And the same with Kirk, young sportsman of the year. And there was a there was a huge debate online about you know it, it, it's not an achievement. Well, you know, British born and trained, making the top league in the world in any sport is an achievement, regardless of how and where. Forget the fact he's from South Yorkshire, he could be from anywhere in the UK. If he's that first born and trained to be drafted in the top league in the world, 
that's an achievement. I'd like to see that happen. I'd like to see him mentioned in that breadth of young sports with him, but I don't think he will be again. Um, but if it doesn't happen, it takes nothing away from what's been achieved by Liam, by the national side. And when you know when it comes to the January the first, twenty nineteen, everyone can look back on twenty eighteen being that year that it was just wonderful. It just clicked, and you know hockey fans was able to just believe for a few nights and go a bit crazy. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of on both sides on this um, because, and I think one of the issues is realistically, I mean, what what GB have achieved is is an amazing. Feet and obviously it's an amazing achievement and nobody you know nobody can deny that. But the the problem is and the the way that we suffer in a way is, and it's the same with Liam Kirk in a way, is that in terms of football, the Premier League, um, you know, in football is one of the top football leagues in the world. The elite league in ice hockey isn't one of the top ice hockey leagues in the world. So. Yes, we can say, oh, it's the first time in however many years that GB have made it to play at this at this level. The problem is, when you compare that to the World Cup, for football, as an example, you know, England were playing against the top in the world because it is the World Cup, and they still made it that far. GB have, you know, they've qualified to play against the top in the world, but they're still, they're, you know, it's not like... Had they come third in... You know, this year, if they if they finished in Kasichi and came third in Kasichi when they're playing teams like Canada, USA, Sweden, Finland, then yeah. But the problem is, the World Cup is the World Cup. They're still they are playing the best in the world, and they still finished as high as they did. Whereas GB have made it to play the top in the world. That I think that's the deficit. I think that's the problem that they're facing. And it's the same with Liam Kirk. Liam Kirk has done an amazing job. You know, first English-born and trained player to be drafted in the NHL. Brilliant, but you know there are. At the same time, there are football players, which is a, mi- a majority sport in this country, and there are football players that are qualifying and, and uh, that are getting signed up to play for teams in the, in the Premier League, or that are getting signed to play in the, you know the best leagues in in Spain, things like that. You know, so it, it's happening across all the sports. The problem is, it's we've all got to appreciate is that ice hockey is the minority sport in the country. Um, and whilst we can all appreciate that it is a fantastic feat, you know, if you if you turned down to a football fan and said, "Oh well, there's this guy this year from Maltby that's qualified to, to to play in the well, that's been drafted to play in the top league in the world, but currently he's playing in one of the top junior leagues," you know, I don't even think they'd bat an eyelid. I think one of the problems from a fan perspective is because it has been that long, 25 years since GB qualified for the top division. And because it's such a great, great thing, I think it's just there's a little bit of you know we should celebrate this, which we should. And I think it's like kind of well, if we're celebrating it, so should you. Mm. You should celebrate with us. Join us and celebrate with us because this is something that we all want to celebrate and we all should enjoy. I think there's an element of that. Um, as much as I agree with you know, it, like I said, it should in my eyes it should have a mention. But in terms of what else has happened, I think that's kind of where we fall back a little bit. And like Joe said, it's you know, football is. Is is king. It rules in terms of sport in this country. It rules in terms of sports around Europe. Um, it's where the money's made. Um, so if you could achieve in that, you'll get the the column inches, as it were, in terms of the press. But you know, like I said, if nothing's mentioned, everyone can remember that the year that DB made it finally back to the pool A of the World Championships. 
The one thing that... in this is that because of what Jimmy have achieved, he's fantastic. But what you expect from England as a football team, you'd expect them to make you know a certain stage in the World Cup. You'd expect certain youngsters to make the the best squads that England has to offer and other players. It's just that the GB what they've achieved, it's not as common or as expected as it was. I think that's my argument as to why they should be up there because it might not, it might not even happen again. It might not ever be anything like this again and that's why I think it deserves a mention now. I hear you, mate, and I, I, I do agree with you. Um, unfortunately for us, as a, as a hockey fan, we're up against a sport that is king and ruler in this country. I won't say this is a mad thing, you know, in case any football fans think I am, I'm not. But the reality is, football will reign supreme. It's true, and, and, and the other thing is as well, you know, I don't actually, I mean, no, Brad, I certainly didn't expect England to finish as high as they did in the World Cup. So, in fairness, that in itself was was, a, was an, a, an amazing achievement. And in fairness, that was an amazing achievement celebrated by the nation. That was celebrated in pretty much every pub that you drive past. You could drive through the middle of town during a World Cup game and the streets would be empty because everybody would be in the pubs or at home watching the game. Do you know... The world went under. The, the world, the country went unchanged when GB were playing in Budapest, other than the minority that watched the sport. And at the end of the day, you know, the sports personality of the year awards. And I don't disagree. In fairness, you know, I'd like to see it up there. I think it should be up there. But just as an argument as to why it isn't, at the end of the day, the, the, the public as a whole vote on these awards. And in fairness, GB making the top tier and essentially winning gold in the second tier isn't going to come anywhere near in terms of votes compared to England finishing where they did in the World Cup. That's that's the thing for me. I mean, for me, if you're going to go with it at any point, it should be up there for one of the, the top sporting... one of the top sporting moments of the year. If not the team of the year, or, or I'm not sure the, the, all the full categories, but, you know, if anything, for me, it should be one of the top sporting moments. It isn't because they've already been announced, so we know that it isn't. But for me, that's where it should be. I mean, you look at the, you look at the things that have been nominated for greatest sporting moment. You've got England winning net, gold in netball. Um, you've got England winning the penalty shootout um, against Colombia in the World Cup. Alistair Cook's farewell century in cricket. Uh, Tiger Woods' first win in five years in golf. And then Tyson Fury fights back from knockdowns. Um, against Deontay Wilder. Um, for me, there's a few things in there to note. In fairness, England's historic netball gold, it, for the same reason that we're arguing it for GB, for ice hockey, no reason why that shouldn't be up there. Because it, it's, it's a historic win um, in the Commonwealth Games for the country to win gold. Fine, not a problem. England winning the penalty shootout against Colombia, again, for the reasons I've already said, not a problem with that being up there. Um, it was something that was celebrated by the nation. Uh, you know, we were in the pubs watching the games, uh, watching some of the games and celebrating. The atmosphere was immense. You know, I don't even think I saw one single pub advertising that GB were playing against Budapest, uh, against Hungary, or against Italy. Um, the two that re- uh, I mean, Alistair Cook's farewell century as well. To be fair, cricket again, one of the main three sports, you know, in the country. Um, one of the things that's very stereotypical when it comes to English, um, you know, particularly when people stereotype the, the posh side of the English, it's always, always that's not cricket. Um, you know, it is one of the top sports, and you know, to, to get a, you know, to get the farewell century was a, a big achievement. Again, not an issue. The main two for me 
that I think are a bit weak on being on that list. A Tiger Woods first win in five years, I think, as a BBC Sports Personality of the Year, when we've got GB teams doing so well, and obviously the GB ice hockey team getting the achievement that they've got, to then put Tiger Wood, particularly as as Dave, I know you mentioned before we started, particularly with his misdemeanours in the past, to put him on a list of um, top sporting moments just because he got his first win in five years, I, it just it's silly for me. But the main one, and I said this to Dave again beforehand, is Tyson Fury. I'm a big fan. I, I I I like boxing. I'm a big fan of Tyson Fury. Um, but I don't see how one of your top sporting moments of the year is Tyson Fury fighting back from knockdowns to draw a fight against Deontay Wilder. There's, there's, there's been a rematch of that fight ordered so that there's a result. And yet, the result of a draw is now making it as one of the top sporting achievements this year in the awards. That, for me, is the one that shouldn't be up there. That, for me, is the one that you just look at that and go, OK, the only reason that that's up there is because Tyson Fury's not fought um, for a while. Obviously, he's fought Deontay Wilder. It was a great tilt. It was a great fight. I ain't, I'm not going to deny that at all. But to turn around and say this big boxing matchup um, ended in a draw, huge controversial result in it ending in a draw, um, just because Tyson Fury got up a couple of times and he's not boxed in a while means that that's one of the top sporting events. That's the one for me that shouldn't be there. And I would put... GB's success in uh, you know in Budapest in that slot. Yeah, but uh, um, <laughs> go. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with that as well. I mean, this the only time you celebrate a draw is if you needed one point to, for example, to go up to the next level. That is the only time you'll celebrate a draw. Any other time, a draw, you just like, oh great, it's a draw. That's it. That's all you think about it. It's pretty much like a defeat. You just you look at it and you just go right, move on away from that. You don't celebrate it. Hmm. So that's why that should be on there. Yeah, no, I completely agreed. Um, I think again, something that we could flog to death, something that we could, you know, we could talk about for hours. Um, I think the social media side of things has, has certainly showed the relevance of it to the sport and and obviously what 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 the what the fans as a whole think uh, in the country um so moving on from that dave we've we've had a question from craig day again um i think it's the only question that we've had this week if i'm right it is yes and once again thanks craig for your question um short and sweet question but with lengthy answer <laughs> because he asks us um for all four of us as we speak now, what would be who would be in our Elite League All Star lineup? Now we think a line normally, you know, not Craig. He has his own standards, God bless him. He wants two goalies, sixteen men, twelve forwards. And we've added in a coach as well. <laughs> Just yeah, for yeah, good sorry, Craig. Yeah, we've, we've kind of twisted that one. So uh, I know we, we 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 threw some names before we did the the recording of this podcast. So, um, who wants to go first in terms of their team? Let's let's go with let's go with Gref. Yeah, sure. Why not? Uh, my two goalies were best best goal from Belfast, and also Matt Jin. I had to go home for that one. In of course. You are so such I'm a homer. <laughs> <laughs> and then in defence, I've gone with. Ricky Bergens, 
They're going with Lisa Fournier, Kaliakis, Jesse Craig, and <laughs> Swinney. And then to finish it off, Ben O'Connor. I mean, can't really fault those, that deep pair. And then for my forwards, I've gone with Bloodoff from Fife, Dunbar from Guildford, Linglet from Cardiff, and uh, I'm with Luke Piffer, Alex Gupta, and Justin Kolak from, <laughs> from Panthers. I go with Matty Myers. Uh, I go with Ben Lake as well, and then to finish it off with Fulmer from Fife, Mike Hammond, Kieran Long, and to finish off the forwards, Jennifer Fairland. Drink. Um, Adam Keith. Adam Keith. Fair enough. I know. Do you know, I've seen a lot of those players mirrored on my team and other players that, um, that are different. So oh, I think it'll be quite interesting seeing a, a, a contrast between four um, all-star teams on this one. I think I think there will be certain ones that are different and certain ones that are similar. Um, who wants to take the next one? Andy, do you want to give us your all-star team? Before you go on, Andy, we'll just give some context on another podcast about the Furland and drink. We're not saying Furland likes a drink there is a context to that we'll explain better on another podcast I just thought I'd throw that in before we get any of the uh, our Belfast sisters going uh, and asking the uh, questions of us Andy go on yeah uh, my line was pretty similar to Greff's as well uh, my first line I'd have Joey Martin uh, from Cardiff Justin Kovacs from Nottingham and Mike Hammond from Manchester on my second line I'd have, I'd have Robert Dow from Sheffield Paul Crowder from uh, Fife and Blair Riley from Belfast and on my third line I'd have John Dunbar from Guildford uh, and Pat Dwyer and Kyle Bourne uh, from Belfast. On my first D-line, I'd have Ben O'Connor from Sheffield, Kali uh, Akared from Guildford. On my second D-line, I'd have uh, Gleeson Fournier from Cardiff, uh, Dylan Austin from Nottingham. And on my third line, I'd have Justin Hache from Coventry and Jesse Craig uh, from Guildford. My goal is I'd also go with Talibas Grawani uh, and Ben Barnett. So I thought, why not put a... A GB, really good goalie in there. And who, 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 my uh, coach, my coach, I'd have Tom Barrasso because I mean, he's he's turned the team around, and even when they're giving up at two 0 they're not. They keep going, and they got that win. So I'm I'm going for him for that one. Fair play. Um, yeah, I'll go with mine next. Um, to give the background beforehand, last time we recorded. Uh, the podcast when we recorded episode 13, um, the Islanders and the Penguins were facing off against each other in the NHL. Uh, I'm a Penguins fan and Dave's an Islanders fan, so it made it a bit interesting. What was the final score in that game again, Dave? It was a few goals to you and not so many goals to us. <laughs> um, and I fully recommend anybody who hasn't already seen it to look at Crosby's goal because that was an insane angle to score from. Um, again, today, uh, the Islanders facing off against the Penguins and the Islanders have just taken a 1-0 um, lead. So a bit disappointed on that. But anyway, I'll give, a, I'll give my all-star team. Um, Netminders, I would go with Beskarwani from Belfast and I would go Pontus Jogren from... Um, Dundee. Um, in defence, I'm not as organised as Andy, so I haven't put him into lines because I 
just haven't. Uh, but in defence, I would go Gleason Fournier, uh, Ben O'Connor, Callie Akerid, uh, Jim Vandermeer, Jesse Craig, and Harrison Ruop would be my 6D. Um, and then forward-wise, I would go Luke Pither, uh, Blair Riley, Paul Crowder, Charles Lingley, Alex Guptill, Mike Hammond, Patrick Dwyer, Robert Dowd, Matt Becker, Mike Hedden, Kyle Bowne, and Francois Bouchard. Um, and then for my coach, like Andy, I would go with Tom Barrasso, because in fairness, as a Penguins fan, I can't not have a coach that won two Stanley Cups for the Penguins. And also he's done a stellar job. Let's just add that one in, just to give him the credit where credit's due. Dave, I think I believe you're our last person to give the All-Star team. So, my goal is, I've, I've, I've gone uh, Besco, um, surprisingly. I've also gone with uh, Shogun uh, of Dundee. Um, so that'd be my two goals. Now, I, I've not put my lines... Uh, my theory of I've put this team, they're honoured to play for my all-star team. They're going to just go on whatever line they're told to go on. Um, so my six my six defend, defenders are Gleason Fournier, um, Jesse Craig, Akerid, um Olsen, Pinkton at five. And I also I go Matheson of Sheffield. Um as to make the six of there. My forwards, um, I go uh, Blair Riley, Reddick, uh, Paul Crowder, Fife, uh, Charles Lingley, uh, Darcy Murphy, Francois Bouchard, Guptill, uh, Luke Piffer, uh, Bowen, Rob Dowd, uh, Pitt of Sheffield. I had to find a, a spot for Joey Martin um, you know, on the fourth line. The grinding line because you know that's Joe Martin's job clearly, uh, but no, um, Joe Martin is on that team and uh, it'd be, it'd be fun to watch, but don't expect any defense. My coach, as much as I agree with your two guys in Brasso, um, I have got to go, um, Adam Keith, he's the one I'd go for, uh, for the coach here so far, but that all could change. In fairness, if we were going, if if we were going All Star coach, then I'd be saying Barrasso. If we were going Coach of the Year, my answer would differ on that because Tom Barrasso hasn't recruited the full team, and has only come in halfway through the season. So my Coach of the Year would differ from Barrasso. In fairness, for me, I'd pick I'd have Adam Keith as, as probably head coach. Barrasso, I, I I'd bring in a guy from Germany to be the assistant coach of All Star team. I'd bring Tomo back, um, just for just for all time's sake. Um, but no, if I'm going to pick a coach for the time being, one coach, one coach only, Adam Keith gets the gig. Yeah, if I, in fairness, if I was going to go with coach of the year, I'd go between Keith and and, um, and Andrew Lord, to be fair. So I, I can't disagree with Keith being a good option there. Um, but moving on to the last part of the podcast, we have the, the next fixtures up and coming. I am going to try and write down who everybody goes for this time so we can have a look to see who got the most right again when we come back to record episode 15. Um, as we say, Andy leads the table at the moment with me and Gref in joint second and then Dave in fourth. Um, so, first games that I've got. In fairness, we've already actually done predictions for, um, but I'm going to ask you guys again just to see if you predict the same teams. 
because uh, we actually covered Tuesday and Wednesday in, in episode 13. I'm going to ask you the same games again. So Tuesday the 11th of December, uh, we have Belfast versus Dundee in the second leg. Who do we think, guys? Belfast. 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 And I'm going to go Belfast. So no surprise there. We've got a full house just as we did on the last. Um, and the second game on Tuesday, again, a Challenge Cup fixture, is Nottingham and Manchester. Nottingham. 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 That really hurt you to say that, didn't it? Um, again, I'm going to go Nottingham. Uh, so, again, no, that... to say something else. <laughs> yeah. Um, that, again, uh, was the same as before. Not, not surprising. This is the one that I think, if any, will differ. Um, Wednesday, the 12th of December, which is now tomorrow, because Dave says it's the early hours of Tuesday morning now. Um, Sheffield versus Guildford in their first leg of the Challenge Cup. Still Sheffield. I'm going Guildford. I think Sheffield. And I think Sheffield as well. Which... Homer. <laughs> uh, definitely the pot calling the kettle on that one, mate. He's been waiting to throw that line at his answer. He was dying for that. I was close to, I was close to saying Guildford just to, to, just to shut him up. Um, again, that was the same as what we said last time, so not a surprise there. Um... Moving on, we've got Friday the 14th of December. We've got a league game and we've got a Challenge Cup game. So we'll start with the league game, Nottingham versus Dundee. Nottingham. 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 Full house again, Nottingham for me. Uh, then we've got a Challenge Cup game, Cardiff versus Glasgow. Cardiff. 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 Cardiff, <laughs> again sticking with the full houses, we've only got one differing um, from a full house at the moment, um, moving on again, Saturday the 15th of December, as far as I'm aware, all league games, we've got Glasgow versus Belfast in Glasgow, I'll kick that one off with Belfast. 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 <laughs> sticking with the full houses again. Um, I suspect maybe another full house coming up unless Greff decides to be a homer. Um, we have Manchester versus Cardiff in the uh, in the storm shelter. Yeah, I think Cardiff may get this one. I'm going to agree with you in Cardiff. Cardiff. Yeah, I agree. It will be Cardiff. <laughs> Again, full house. Um, one that I, again I think we're into the the, the fixtures that may differ. Um, in opinion now uh, we've got Milton Keynes against Dundee in Milton Keynes MK Dundee I'm going to go with MK as well and I'm going to go with Dundee so we've got a 50-50 split on that one um, then we've got Sheffield versus Coventry in the Fly DSA Arena in Sheffield 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 and Sheffield. So that's a full house. Final game on the Saturday is Fife versus Guildford in Kakodi. Fife. Guildford. Guildford. This is a difficult one. I'm, I'm going to say Guildford. 
I think Fife have taken a real turn in terms of the in terms of their results recently, which has seriously messed up my bet at the start of the season. By the way, thirty to one for Fife to win the league, a couple of quid put on there. Um, yeah, it's not going well. Um, Sunday the 16th of December there's only three games actually quite a quiet weekend coming up um, it's Nottingham against Guildford is the first one that's in Nottingham Panthers Nottingham Nottingham I'm going to say Guildford just to throw a spanner in the works on that one uh, that bit of 6 o'clock face off had it gone Guildford I just think the early face-off with the long travel from five, I think they'll uh, not able to take advantage and go from there. It could be a factor in fairness, and obviously they've also got the uh, the first Challenge Cup game on the Wednesday as well, so that could be something to factor in. Um, you know, three-game week, and as you say, the long travel from five. So, yeah, no, I, I agree with you on that, but I'll, I'll stick with Guildford. Uh, we'll see how that one goes. Um, Coventry against Dundee in Coventry. I'll kick that one off with Coventry. Dundee. Coventry, Dundee. Oh, 50-50 split again. And then finally, um, again, we get to see how much of a homer Greth is because if he says Manchester on this one, I will be shell-shocked. Manchester versus Belfast in Manchester. Belfast. <laughs> We're all waiting on you on that one, mate. <laughs> Belfast. I don't know if you're getting anything. <laughs> Someone's telling me Manchester's going to get this one. I don't know what, but just a gut feeling says Manchester's going to nick this one. Pure daylight robbery, but I reckon Manchester's going to do it. I thought you were going to go full Bryn from Gavin and Stacey mode then, Dave. Now, something tells me Manchester, <laughs> and I'll tell you for why. <laughs> um, I'm going to say I'm going to go with the status quo. I'm going to say Belfast. So Belfast wins the window. Yeah, yeah, either that or, Man or Manchester win and we all look stupid. So that brings us to the end of another um, My Fancy Zamboni podcast. Uh, that's episode 14 in the bank. Um, hopefully we've managed to keep it close to an hour mark, um, taking the advice from Craig. I know that last week was a little bit longer in being closer to the two-hour mark. I think we are about an hour and 55 last week, so we do apologise for that. Hopefully the length wasn't too intolerable for everybody listening. Um, but if you want to get in touch with us via social media, it's at MFZ Podcast on Twitter. It's My Fancy Zamboni Podcast on Facebook. Do let us know any feedback, uh, any questions that you've got for episode 15, um, or just to tell us that you're enjoying it or that you're not enjoying it. Obviously, we do like to hear from everybody. Uh, but for the time being, thank you very much, Dave. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you very much, Greth. Thank you very much for having me. Pleasure as always, and uh, post technical issue resolvement. Thank you very much, Andy, for uh, for joining us again. Thank you, Joe. Got it in the end. You <laughs> got there in the end. Yeah. So thank you very much, to everybody listening, and to say that's another episode of my fancy Zamboni.